The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Last week we were looking at John chapter 9 and we were looking at that story of that man who was born blind and Jesus came, spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on the man's eyes, just says, go and wash. And he goes off and washes at this pool of Siloam and it says he came back seeing. It was a fantastic miracle that Jesus did. But, you know, it was such a great miracle, but it also underlined the state of the hearts of mankind in actually believing about God. Because even some of those people that he was collecting money with, that he was working alongside as a blind man, they couldn't believe that this was him returning back. Is it really you? I know it's somebody who just looks like you. That's what they were saying. But no, this was that man who'd been healed. But, you know, unbelief can get hold of our minds and we can sometimes struggle and we get confused. Is this really the person? Is this really what God has done? That sort of thing can come into our thinking. And in our own lives, we can go through experiences where we feel the same. It's not necessarily we've seen a miracle, but there comes that feeling, is is God there? Is he really listening to me? Does he understand me? Does he know what I'm going through? And we feel slightly detached. Unbelief, confusion can come to us. And you know, for us, we're coming into a time of seeking. I'm going to be going on the sabbatical, but that means I'm not going to be here. But it's not just about me. It's about us as a church. We want to be going into a season where each of us is saying, Lord, what do you have to speak to me about during this time? There's a season of seeking God. And what we have to learn when we come into a season like this, or even in the whole of our lives, is that there are times when we feel like it, and there are times when we don't. But what we have to learn is, we have to learn that we need to seek God in season and out of season. That is, when we feel like it and when we don't feel like it. You know what I'm talking about? Because there are those mornings. I'll look at it in terms of my own life so everybody can feel completely relaxed. There are those times when you wake up in the morning and it's a lovely sunny morning or whatever, but you know what? You've got things on your mind, the stuff going through, or actually there's a few challenges you're dealing with. And so like, you don't really feel like praying. You know you ought to. But you don't really feel like it. So it just gets put to one side. Or sometimes we're going through things and we can't understand how to get through them or why they're coming upon us or why should I be suffering in this way. And so sometimes that confusion and that feeling of like, does God really care, can also cause us not to be really wanting to seek him. But don't take that as a rebuke that we've got that wrong. We just need to look at what can we do to make the change. The psalmist encourages us, Psalm 145 verse 2, he says this, Every day, every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Every day. Not just those times when I feel like it, those days when I'm on an up situation, but even those days when I don't feel like it, in season and out of season, every day. And there is a sense in which we want to come before God and say, God, help us as a people To be those people who praise you every day. No matter how we feel, we're lifting up your name because you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of adoration. If we're feeling cold, if we're feeling lukewarm, we're still going to come before you and we're going to worship you 
Not only on those days when we're feeling hot, when we're feeling ready for God. We want to be a people who know their God. And a people, therefore, who carry out great exploits for him. Every one of us has challenges in everyday life. There are challenges in everyday life. Whether they be relational difficulties, time pressures, whether they be work problems, health problems, whether they be family worries and family concerns, or whether we ourselves are facing some sort of injustice. Hey, you don't understand what's been going on. There, People in my office, they're getting at me just because I made a mistake on something. You know, that type of injustice can come against us, or we can feel that we're under personal attack. Challenges like those can come to us, and challenges in all of their different ways can make us well, not really feel like seeking after God. It's ridiculous, really, because we know that problems, when they come, and pressures, when they come, they press us down. And so it's almost in that circumstance that we should be saying, like, wow, pressure's coming. I need God. But sometimes we find the pressure causes us to say, like, I can't be bothered. I don't feel like it. And because I don't feel like it, we tend to run with our feelings rather than running with the fact of what the psalmist says every day. Every day, I will praise you. So we've tried to pray sometimes, or we haven't even tried to pray. It's just that the issues seem to make God seem so distant. So the situations overwhelm us. And the situations themselves can leave us to a sense of confusion, maybe even frustration. But listen, we're not alone in that. It's not like this is just happening to us. This is what's happening to people in the scriptures too. And if we go to Psalm 13, we're reading there of David and how he was expressing himself. And in Psalm 13 verses 1 and 2, it says this. David is crying out, how long, Lord? How long? Will you forget me forever? Now, I don't exactly know what he was going through at that time. But I can sense he was going through something. And I can sense what he was feeling. He was saying, like, the pressures are coming against me. Where are you? You see, we're not alone in these situations. We sometimes feel that we're the only person who's feeling like this. We're the only person that's going through these things. We're the only person that feels like God has disappeared on us. That he's gone, into, he's gone on holiday or something like that. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me, said David? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? If ever there's a situation there, there's a man who is going through the type of circumstance that I'm talking about, this is David. But the one thing we learn from David is he has learned to seek God in season when he feels like it, and when he doesn't feel like it. And when he doesn't feel like it, he starts asking God, where are you? Where are you? We've all, I guess, experienced such times. But I find comfort in scriptures in these times that I'm not alone, that there are other people who have gone through these things too. So when we come to pray, it can feel, and again expressed in the Psalms, Psalm 42 verse 5, why? My soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Sometimes in the morning I go to pray and I, I don't feel like it. You should say like, God, oh, it's great, lovely morning. It's good to see you. Welcome, Holy Spirit. And even in the tone of your voice, you know, like, you know, like, Ugh. 
I don't really feel like this. Because there are times when you're up, you're saying, God, you're great. And there's an excitement and an energy that comes out of you. But there are those mornings, and uh, just sort of wave at me if you've experienced one of these, just to make me feel like I'm not alone, you know. <laughs> there are those mornings when you put a little bit of effort in, but it seems like you're, it just bounces off the ceiling. It doesn't go any higher than that. And once it's bounced off the ceiling three times, like, God, you're good. I praise you this morning. I'm not feeling so up to it. And, okay, let's just get on and do something else. David knew that he needed to press through, seek God further. And so he spoke to his soul. He's saying, hang on a second. I've noticed there's not so much zeal coming out of you this morning. It's almost like he's talking to his, I notice there's something that seems to be wrong here. Have you become disconnected? Or is it God has disappeared? What, what's the matter? So come on, you are going to praise him again. And so he is learning that situation of, I need to praise God when I feel like it. I need to praise God when I don't feel like it, in season and out of season. So what can we learn? What can we do when we feel in situations like that? There is an instruction that has been given to us for such times to help us. And here's the instruction. Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. But be still and know that I am God. Psalm 100 verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Any read that when she came to pray this morning. But she read it in the, NL, in the New Living Translation where it says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. There's something, when we actually find that disturbance, that quietness, that lack of interest, I suppose I could put it like that, in our hearts of actually lifting ourselves up before God and of seeking his face, we need to come and say, whoa, 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 Let, let's just take a step back here. <laughs> let's just take a step back. I need to speak to my soul. I need to see what encouragement I can give to my soul to cause it to rise up. I need to acknowledge that the Lord is God. We need to stop and think things through. You know what a, a photo fit picture is? I'm sure many of you have watched crime dramas on TV where somebody's had to put together a photo fit. Maybe you yourself have seen a crime take place. You've seen somebody steal a car and suddenly the police have come around. They're saying like, okay, now what did you see? And they want to take down details and they start asking you questions. Well, what was the person like? What were they wearing? What color was their hair? Can you remember any distinguishing features about them? And if they really want to seek out for this person and they know that you've got specific information, they will say, hey, come, stop. Let's go through these questions. And they might even bring in somebody who's got a photo fit picture library of all sorts of different types of faces and eyes and hair and all sorts of different things. And they start to build up a picture slowly by slowly by asking you to take your time. Now just think back. What did you see? What was it about this person that you noticed? Were they tall? Were they short? Were they fat? Were they thin? Were they old? Were they young? Did they have hair? Was it black hair? Was it white hair? And, and so on and so forth. And slowly by slowly, the person taking them through those questions builds up this picture and they form this photo fit picture. And then they say like, was this the person? Now, hopefully, they're going to say, yeah, 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 that's it. That's what he was like. Hey, maybe a little bit thinner in the face, but yes, that's what he's like. That's what they do in crime, so that then they can send that picture out and say, this is the person we're looking for. And hopefully, in that case, they're going to catch that person, or somebody's going to know some more information, and they're going to find out who the criminal was and take that person to justice, 
Case closed. Now, I'm not suggesting that God is in any way a criminal. But I am suggesting this. There's a sense in which we need to sit ourselves down and go through a photo fit picture. Let me just remind myself what God is like. Let me look at his attributes. Let me look at his characteristics. What is it that I can remember? What distinguishing features are there about this God who today I'm finding it difficult to connect with, but I'm going to remind myself of those distinguishing features and I'm going to note them down that gradually I might build a picture to say, this is God. Now, of course, I understand we can't really contain everything because God is bigger than anything we can imagine. But you know that sense of bringing our minds and our hearts to a place where we start to have a picture of what God is like. A good starting place. And let's say, let's start at the very beginning because that is a very good place to start. As many of you will remember that quote. A good starting place is this. You are God. You're God. Now, sometimes in the cold light of day in our bedroom or in the kitchen or wherever it may be in the morning or in the evening when we're trying to seek God, oh, you're God. But stop, you are God. Psalm 90 verse 2 declares this, before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And what that is saying to us is, listen, I'm not just saying you are God, God always has been. He is the one before anything else was created. In the beginning was God. That is where we're starting from. That is the foundation of all things. You are God. You have always been in existence. You are. And not only are you God, you are creator. You are the God who makes everything. In the beginning, as I have said, God created the heavens and the earth. He was and then he created. So everything we're experiencing, he has created. He is before all things. He always has been. And you know what? That starting place of God and of God being creator, when Paul came to Athens and he came to meet a people and he wanted to speak to them and he wasn't quite sure, how am I going to engage with these people? This is the very line that he took, Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord God of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him... We live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You see what Paul was doing? He was trying to bring to this people, I don't know quite where I'm going to begin. And don't we feel like that sometimes, expressing things about God? I'm going to begin at the very beginning. In the beginning, there was God. God is and always has been. And God is creator. God This is who you are, and we need to remind ourselves of this. You are the creator. You are my maker. Not only my maker, you've not only made me, but you sustain me. Colossians 1 verses 16 and 17, all things 
All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Hebrews 1 verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Not only has God always been in existence and he has created everything, he keeps it going from day to day. He sustains. He upholds. You watch a nature program on TV and they're telling you various bits and pieces, but did you realize it's God who's providing the food for those whales or those dolphins or those birds or those animals in Africa or wherever they may be? It's God who is providing for them. You go to the Arctic wastelands and all you see is snow and ice. How are these animals ever going to get fed? But God provides because he sustains the whole universe from moment to moment. He upholds all things by the power of his word. So not only has he made us, but he keeps us. Our daily health and our daily strength, our daily bread, our daily, food, our daily breath and our daily food are all from God's hands. He provides for us on a day-to-day basis. So we can see that he cares for us. He cares for us. He is our heavenly father. We must understand his heart. His heart is seen in Hebrews 13.5. Never, he says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, God, you seem so distant. But your word of truth says, you're never leaving me. You're never forsaking me. You're never putting me over for somebody else. Oh, I prefer something else. I'm now no longer friends with you. He never says that. He is always with us. Our feelings, which we're recognizing that we can't trust, But our feelings often tell us something different. Our feelings might be telling us, today I don't feel like worshipping. Today I don't know whether I want to be bothered with it. I've been going through these problems. Our feelings take us to one place. Faith brings us to a place where we say, no, no, no. I'm going to take hold of who you are. I'm going to remember exactly what you have done. I'm going to build a photo fit picture to remind me of what I've experienced, what I've seen in the past, what you have done. You are good. You're never leaving me. You're always going to be with you. And as a heavenly father, he cares. He's gracious to us. But like a good father, he cares for our well-being. That's why it says in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans God says I have for you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you hope and a future. Now, I know, I was talking to somebody earlier on, I know when we're going through situations of, I've been out of work for weeks. No, not weeks, months. In those circumstances, it seems like we're in a desert place. It seems like there is no water. Sometimes it seems like God doesn't care and he's so distant. But it's not true. And we have to keep reminding ourselves, even though our emotions are going up and down, even though we're going through the trials of yet another day, it seems to be the same as it was yesterday, yet another day. But we're learning. And in those circumstances, we can learn. I have got to learn to praise him to worship him, to acknowledge him in season when I feel like it and out of season when I don't feel like it because he is God and he is worthy. 
He is for me. He is not against me. He is the lifter of my head. He is the lover of my soul. He is my strength and my shield. And even though it seems sometimes that God is not here, I have to reflect upon what he is and what he has said and how he reminds us. Even in Romans, he reminds us that we, he is for us, not against us. Romans 8 verses 28 and 31. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What shall we say in response to this, to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? But in the trials that we go through, sometimes we think, hang on, these are all against us. When we need to reflect, no, no, no. If God is for us, even though he is allowing me, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But even there, his rod and his staff bring comfort to me. That's what his word says. God is on our side. He wants the best for us. God is just and true. The scriptures say in Psalm 97, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. That means that God is always right. He always acts in a just and fair manner. God is always going to be fair towards us. He's going to act rightly. He is going to act correctly. Of course I understand that. I don't, I don't mean to say I understand what he's doing. Because at times I really do not understand. And at times I express that to him. God, just in case you didn't know, I really don't understand what you're going through. And when we're facing situations where we're losing loved ones or people that we know have passed away and we're going through times of grief and suffering and hardship like that, it seems like God has disappeared and that he doesn't understand what he's doing. And yet at the same time, we understand that, listen, we were never created to last forever on this earth. Man has but a number of years to live. And after that, we have to stand before God. But our God is just and true. He is always fair, completely fair. Being true means that he tells the truth. He is the truth. Being faithful means he doesn't change. He is the unchangeable God who sticks and says what he says and sticks to what he says. That is what he's like. He is truthful. He is right. He is almighty. I'm building this photo fit picture. I'm drawing in the understanding that I have. He is almighty God. That means he's all-powerful. He's everywhere present. He is all-knowing of every situation. He is the all-wise God. He knows all things. Isaiah 45 verse 5 says, I am the Lord, there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. What about all those things that other people worship? Let me tell you, I am the Lord. I am the Lord, there is no other. There is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. He is all-powerful. He is able to do all things. For God, nothing is impossible. He is all-knowing. Literally, he knows everything. He sees everything. I know all of us do those things where we think like, well, hopefully God didn't see that. Hopefully he didn't actually read those thoughts. Hopefully he didn't take note of my feelings at that moment in time. But he does. Because nothing is hidden from his sight. Psalm 94 verse 11 says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man. It goes on to say, He knows that they are futile. <laughs> In other words, yeah, okay. 
I understand where you're coming from. You are human. God knows everything. And he is everywhere present. He is greater than we are. That's what we need. He is just so much greater than we are. He knows the very end of our lives and the end of all things. And he knows that now. He knows it right from the beginning he knew that. Isaiah 46 verse 10. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times what is still to come. That's why he is our shepherd and how he knows the way to go. That's why we can trust the Holy Spirit to lead us in the right path because he actually knows where they're going. For us, we keep asking the question, what's coming up next? Where where are we moving on to? What's going to happen next? How am I ever going to get out of this? God knows the end from the beginning. Sometimes we're walking through a season. He knows the end of that season. He knows when that season's come to an end. He knows what's coming next. He knows even that there may be another problem coming after the problem you've just had. But he knows the end from the beginning and he is good and he is looking after you. And he has said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. This God is my strength. He is my shield. And we need to fight to keep our focus on him. It takes effort. I said, you need to be still. You need to acknowledge that the Lord is God. That takes like, okay, let's take a step back. Sometimes we have to deal with our feelings. Our feelings are holding us in a place that says, I don't feel like it today. Every day, every day, I will praise you. Every day. And so to attack that feeling, we have to come and build our photo fit picture. We have to remind ourselves of what God is, is like. That's why, I've read this verse already, but that's why we see David rising up and speaking to his soul. Hang on a second. Oh, my soul, why are you downcast? What's the problem with you this morning? Why are you so disturbed? And he's speaking directly to himself. Put your hope in God. Come on, pull yourself together. Get yourself together. Think about these things. Stir yourself again. Remind yourself. I don't know about you, but... I don't have all of those thoughts about the attributes of God and his character coming to me all the time. I have to stop and let, okay, let me focus. Let me just think about them. Let me take stock. Let them come into my heart because I know that it's easy for other things to crowd those thoughts out and for me to gain confusion. It's important to remind ourselves what God is like and to allow our hearts and our minds to be drawn to focus on him so that we can seek him. James encourages us by saying, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. When we seek him, he draws near to us. When we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. The instruction that is given to all of us is to to be still. Take some time out. Know that he is God. Acknowledge that the Lord is God, is what it tells us in Psalm 100. We're coming into this season, and the season means we want to seek God. There will be days when we think, I'm really up for that. I love the worship we had on Sunday. I feel encouraged by what I've heard. I'm going to go home and this is going to be a great week. But Monday, ah, I just don't feel like it today. In season and out of season, 
we're called to seek God. And when it feels a little bit out of season, we need to take our time out. We need to build our photo fit picture, remind ourselves again so that we can keep ourselves focused and keep lifting up his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.